Good to see you all. Let's uh, bow in a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you this morning that you're on the throne. Thankful, Lord, that you brought us here together to pray for one another, to pray for needs all around us, and to open your word and study it and allow your Holy Spirit to teach us. And I pray, Father, that this morning as we pray together and we pray in our small groups that you will bring to mind those special needs that we need to specifically pray about. And as we open your word later this morning that you would give me the words to speak is what an honor to open your word and just pray that be with each one here. Lead and guide us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What a honor it always is to open God's Word together. According to Exodus 32, the people of Israel crossed the Red Sea on dry land while being chased by an angry Egyptian army. While reading Joshua 6, we find a great city with massive walls crumble as the people of Israel shouted on the seventh day of marching as the trumpets blew. A prisoner of war, a prophet who was taken as a teenager from his home and served God faithfully, was thrown into a hungry den of lions overnight, as recorded in Daniel 6, and he lived to tell about it. A young shepherd boy who stood before a nine-foot giant warrior killer with a slingshot defeated the undefeatable as we read in 1 Samuel 17. Who gets the glory for these miraculous situations of deliverance? In life, we see the hand of God working in our daily life situations, and we obtain mercy and grace to help in time of need. That illness that comes our way, or that unsaved loved one who desperately needs the Lord, or that unexpected medical bill, or getting laid off from a job where you even had seniority. Those times where we have nowhere to turn but to God. Or the words to a song of a young woman who recorded the song Blessings, wrote as she took care of her husband who had at that time a terminal brain tumor. And the words go like this, We pray for blessings. We pray for peace, comfort for family, protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity. We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. All the while you hear each spoken need, yet love is way too much to give us lesser things. And here's the refrain, because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? We don't look at it that way, but that's one way she looked at it. With a thousand sleepless nights as her husband battled through this brain tumor. But she wrote that song, I think, for us to encourage us. When God does answer, and he always does, who gets the glory for that answer? Psalm 50, verse 15, remind us, Call upon God in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Whoever offers praise glorifies me. And to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. 
Psalm 86, 9 states, All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. Why should we give God the glory? Join me in 2 Kings 5 this morning. And here we find the answer to that question. In this story of an unsaved Syrian general, a little Jewish girl, a couple of kings, and a prophet of God, we find three reasons we should give God the glory for everything. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. You'll see it's a familiar story, but there's so much we can learn from it about giving the glory to God. Before we look at this passage and this story in the Old Testament, let's bow in a word of prayer. Father God, I just thank you for your presence here this morning. Thankful for the Holy Spirit who indwells us, Father. We're thankful for this opportunity to open your word. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will teach us, that we will learn that, Father, we should give you the glory for everything. Because you're the God of everything. You've created us. you saved us. You keep us saved. You walk with us through the valleys and through the mountaintops. Father, we just praise you this morning for who you are. And that you loved us enough to send Jesus to die on the cross for us. That we could be saved. I pray that you'll be with us during this study. That we would all learn something through your Holy Spirit. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the first reason we should give God the glory for everything, we will see here in verses 1 to 7, it's because God is sovereign. Follow with me as we read 2 Kings 5, beginning at verse 1. Now Naaman, captain of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man with his master and highly respected because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. This man was also a valiant warrior, but he was a leper. Now the Armenians had gone out in bands and had taken captive a little girl from the land of Israel, and she waited on Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, I wish that my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria. Then he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus spoke the girl, little girl, is from the land of Israel. The king of Aram said, Go now, I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. He departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothes. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, And now as this letter comes to you, behold, I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man is sending word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? But consider now and see how he's seeking a quarrel against me. God is sovereign. Verse 1, we're introduced to this general from Syria. His name actually means gracious or kind, and he's the highest ranking officer of the Syrian army. He's in charge. A man of high social standing in the community. He's respected as a great military leader, very wealthy, and a warrior he's listed as being here. But he has one little problem. He has leprosy. 
you want to find out more about it, we won't read through two chapters of Leviticus, but Leviticus 13 and 14 describe the leprosy that's being talked about here to get a little more of that background. Leprosy involves some white, dry scabs that could disfigure a person but not disable them. It could involve intense itching. It was contagious. And so most of the time, a leper had to live in a separate colony away from the general population. I remember uh, one deployment I had, uh, we had in the military when I was with the Light Infantry. We went to Panama. And I remember when we would get close, they had leper colonies there. And they would cry out, stay away or we're unclean. But I remember one opportunity the Lord gave us. We had MREs. Everybody know what an MRE is? Okay, it's not something you probably want every meal. But when you're out deployed, this is what they give you. So they at least know what they're giving you. Well, a lot of the MREs weren't eaten by soldiers. And so we gathered up in plastic bags. And before we left Panama, we gave some to this leper colony. And you would have thought it was Christmas for them. Because they were just overjoyed to get something beside the scraps that they got in Panama. But they didn't want you close because the leprosy was contagious. And so this is what Naaman, although he had possibly something that others could catch, maybe they stayed a certain distance, I don't know, maybe a couple of yards or something when they spoke with him. But he was the greatest military leader they had in the Syrian army. Verses 2 and 3, we see the sovereignty of God in action. As the army would take small raids into around Israel, where the Israeli army was, they captured a little Jewish girl who happened to be assigned to the general's household to his wife. And this little girl, this little Israeli girl, told Naaman's wife about the great prophet Elisha. Apparently, Elisha's reputation was well known in Israel because this little girl knew about him. This prophet of God had been used of God in Israel's victory over the Moabites in 2 Kings 3. Then in chapter 4, the increase of the widow's oil so she could pay her debts. The Shunammite woman who was barren but had a son who died but God raised him from the dead. So Elisha even turned poisonous stew into edible stew. All things a prophet had done, but he gave all the credit to God. We're not prophets of God like Elisha, but his reputation was known throughout Israel, even to this little Jewish girl. What about our reputation? What do our neighbors next door, our friends, our co-workers, our families, our brothers and sisters in Christ say about us? Are we known for serving the Lord or for other things that don't honor God? It was no accident Naaman's army found this little girl. It was according to God's sovereignty. Psalm 103.19 reminds us, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. God too is sovereign over all of us in our lives as well. Because he chose us, he drew us to him, he saved us. God at times has to discipline us, remind us we're all accountable to him. And I'm reminded 
as I look through the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14, when Solomon comes to the conclusion of him looking for answers and the vanity of all, he says this, The conclusion when all has been heard is, Fear God. Keep His commandments. Because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment. Everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. That's a reminder of God's sovereignty. Psalm 139 reminds us that God knows us when we get up and when we lay down at night. He knows our thoughts before we think them. Just think about that for a moment. Before we even think what we're going to think in the next minute, God already knows. So for God will bring everything, even our thoughts, to mind. And so every day we have an opportunity to serve God, to bring glory to his name. As we realize anew God's sovereignty, the words to a song by Michael W. Smith, we sing here at times, Sovereign over us. There is strength within the sorrow. There is beauty in our tears. And you meet us in our mourning with the love that casts out fear. You are working in our waiting. You're sanctifying us. When beyond our understanding, you're teaching us to trust. Your plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us. You're with us in the fire and the flood. You're faithful forever, perfect in love. You are sovereign over us. And praise God for that this morning. We read in verses 4 and 5, General Naaman checks his lead for help with his boss, the king of Syria. He runs it by him. And the king gives his approval to his highest general. And he says, I'll even write a letter to the, the king of Israel and tell him what is needed. So with this letter, Naaman loads up. A bunch of stuff. It says 10 talents of silver. That's about 750 pounds of silver worth about $190,000. And it says 6,000 shekels of gold. That's 150 pounds of gold worth about $3.1 million today. 10 changes of clothing worth approximately another $2,500 for a total around $3.4 million he's going to bring with him as he will approach Elisha. The captain of the Syrian army focused, as many unsaved people do, on material things to possibly, and I'm going to use the word bribe the prophet. Maybe Elisha won't do it right away, but if I show him all this load of stuff, that I have with me, then he might do it. And of course, we never see that going on in our world today, but in the Old Testament, this was one way that you tried to persuade people, by giving them a bunch of stuff. This next part is hilarious. As General Naaman approaches the king of Israel with this letter from his boss in verses 6 and 7, I kind of chuckle here because as we read it, He brought this letter to the king of Israel saying, And now as this letter comes to you, behold, I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may cure him of his leprosy. (laughs) So he goes to the king of Israel. He's not going to the right person there. He's not going to the prophet of God. 
He's going to the king of Israel. And the king, of course, says, no problem. I will heal you. No. Something else happens. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man is sending word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? But consider now and see how he's seeking a quarrel against me. He's a little bit frustrated that a king would ask him to do something that he can't do. The king of Israel is Jehoram at this time, and he tears his clothes in frustration, saying, I'm not God, and now you want to pick a fight with me. You want to go to war with me, because I can't do what you're asking. Well, word gets to Elisha. And I don't know if he was nearby, but I guess when your king tears his clothes out of frustration, the word somehow got around. And we see here in verse 8, It happened when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes. He sent word to the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me and he'll know that there's a prophet in Israel. The second reason God should get all the glory is that his ways are higher than our ways. We see that here beginning at verse 8 through 13. We read on not only... In verse 9, so Naaman came with his horses and his chariots, and he stood at the doorway of the house of Elisha. So the king gets word from Elisha, says, come on over, and we'll take care of this matter of your leprosy. Verse 9, he camps out in front of Elisha's doorway. And a doorway in those days was a gate. It was common in this time period as houses were often set off the roadway. So a gate at the end of Elisha's driveway, General Naaman waits with all this stuff that he brought from his home. And so he gets a royal accompaniment. They roll out the red carpet. Now, here's what happens in verse 10. And again, God's ways are higher than our ways. Verse 10 we read, Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and you will be clean. So instead of a royal welcome that this great Naaman expected with all his stuff at the end of the driveway, Gehazi, his assistant, comes down and he says, I have a message from the prophet of God, Elisha, Go wash in the Jordan seven times and you will be healed. We'll see, is that how Naaman pictured everything going? Wash in the dirty Jordan seven times and you'll be healed? Of course, Naaman said, I'll do it with no problem. What happens? (laughs) Naaman was furious. He was very, very angry. And he went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. He wanted to show. Now, where's my show? Wave your hand. I started picturing it. What did he want there? Wave his hands around and suddenly the leprosy would kind of go up in a fog or smoke. What was he looking for? He wanted to show. That's how Naaman pictured it. I think a big issue here, as with all of us, 
It was a battle here with pride. I want to be acknowledged for who I am. And so he wanted to show, so he could show off in front of everybody that he was a great leader. And so he wanted the red carpet rolled out. And pride is a conceited sense of one's superiority. It's saying, God, I don't need you. I'm good enough on my own. I can do this. I don't need you. And so we push God aside. We're warned against it. Isaiah 14 of the devil warned in the last days in 2 Timothy 3, but now know this, in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. It's not hard to see what a battle it is. Is that pride that leaves out God. And so we see Naaman here as an unbeliever. He is very angry. He didn't get what he thought he should get. And so he is told to go wash in the nearest spa. No, the dirty Jordan River seven times. And when God gives this instruction, he didn't like it because his pride he was battling. But then we see God's sovereignty. We see God's ways are higher than Naaman's ways here because we see in verse 13... Or we'll read verse 12 as well. He said, well, actually we'll go back to 11. Naaman was furious and went his way and said, I thought he would surely come out, stand and call on the name of the Lord, wave his hand over the place and cure the leper, which is himself. Are not Abanon and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? He doesn't want the dirty Jordan River. Could I not wash in them and be clean? Could he? No. God's instructions are very clear. So he turned and went away in a rage. Now he's even more angry. But then God in his sovereignty and because God's ways are higher than Naaman's ways, verse 13, we see, Then his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, a respect to him, Had the prophet told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So we see again God working in the heart of Naaman who lost it. When we're angry and in a rage, do we think clearly? Somebody tells us something simple to do. We say, yes, I'll do it. No, we're offended. Our pride is offended. We say, no, I I want nothing to do with it. But then that's the great thing about having brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes we need a brother or sister to pull us aside and say, think that through. Don't, Don't respond emotionally. Respond in obeying God's word because God's word... And God's word here says go wash in the dirty Jordan, not some place back home in Syria that's cleaner and more accepted. And we see God's ways are not our ways. And I just wanted to share this. This just came in the loaves and fishes about two weeks ago. And this is what one young lady, Megan, wrote. She's in Quincy, Florida, serving her time. And I thought it fit in real well here. It's entitled, He Can. My heart was beating, but I had not life. 
burdens, fear, neglect, anger, hate, strife. Which way was up? Where was home? By myself and all alone. I cried, you can't save me, so just let me be. God will never have mercy on me. I went too far. I crossed the line. Now leave me be and let me die. As darkness fills my thoughts and dreams, life is slipping away, it seems. But out of the silence came a voice fierce and wild. He said, wait, you must stay, my child. I'm okay. I'm just tired. I can't go on fighting. Please just be quiet and let me keep dying. I could do that, my daughter, but I know your heart. This is not your purpose nor my plan from the start. Come take my hand and I'll show you the way, for I am the potter and you are the clay. Why he chose me was because I was his. He still wanted me when I had nothing to give. He took me broken. He made me whole. He filled me with love and saved my soul. There is still light in such a dark world. He proved it to me, this unworthy girl. A change for love, baptized from above. I can't explain how I feel, but I promise he's real. If he can take what I was and make me so new, have faith, my friends, he can do it for you. I send you all my love and pray for you to have faith. Let God into your heart now. Tomorrow may be too late. God's ways are not our ways. God's way here for Naaman was how God said it. His word said, go wash in the Jordan River seven times and you will be healed. Not God rubber stamping what Naaman said. I want to show, I want to go to a nice clean river. I don't want the Jordan River. He said, it's my way. And that pride needs to become humble. And that's something we all battle. Because we all have that inside us at times where we want to just do it on our own and we push God aside. But we have the Holy Spirit within us. We have Jesus who saved us when we didn't deserve it. And so we need to learn, I think, every day, God's ways are not our ways. But we also need to cling to Romans 8.28. We know that how many things? All things work together for good. Not half, not three-fourths, but all. The third reason we should give God the glory for everything is shared in verses 14 to 19. And that is, God keeps his word. Verse 14, so he went down and he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. When he returned to the man of God with all his company and came and stood before him, he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. So please take a present from your servant now. But he said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will take nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Naaman said, If not, please let your servant at least be given two mules load of earth." For your servant will no longer offer burnt offering, nor will he sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. In this matter, may the Lord pardon your servant when my master goes into the house of Rimmon to worship there, and he leans on my hand, and I bow myself to the house of Rimmon. When I bow myself in the house of Rimmon, the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. He said to him, Go in peace. So he departed from him some distance. 
God keeps his word. What happened when Naaman followed God's instructions? Was he healed on dip number three? Four, five, six, seven. He came up and he was clean. Say, wasn't that amazing? God keeps his word. Verse 14, we find God keeps his word because he's God. God told Naaman through Elisha and Gehazi, go dip seven times, and he was healed. Naaman is restored, and now he goes back to Elisha's house again to give him all the things he brought with him, all the stuff. And I'm so amazed, and I'm so humble when I read here, Elisha says, No, I won't take anything. And I'm sure Naaman was saying, look, I don't want to bring all that back. Here, take it. All this stuff you can have. And Elisha says, no, I will not take it. Why? Because Elisha was saying, I'm not taking any of God's glory. God did this. His word is true. And when you dip down the seventh time, it wasn't me who healed you. Who healed Naaman, it was God, God alone. And what a testimony I believe that is for us today. The general wanted to reward. He looked at this as a reward, but Elisha says, I will not take part of God's glory from this. And then we see the encouragement here that Naaman says, I want to worship now the true God. What a testimony Elisha is having toward this Syrian captain, this general of all that army. Looking at verse 17, then why does he want two mules load of earth? Say, why does he want some dirt? He wants to load up some dirt and take it back to Syria. He wanted that because in ancient days, in those times, when you went to another country and you decided that you were going to worship the God of that country, which is the true God of Israel, you take those two mule load of dirt, you take it back and you spread that out in your country, and that's where you worship God. So it was symbolic, but it also was, I believe, from Naaman's heart. I want to dedicate now to my time of worship to the true God of Israel, not all these other gods. And of course, he asked for forgiveness ahead of time when he says, please forgive me when I have to go with the king and worship all these other idols. Please forgive me. Because as the leader of the Syrian army, he was still required then to go and worship. He says, forgive me, but he will have his little pile of dirt at home where he worships the true God. So I believe when Naaman went back, he went back changed not only from the leprosy, but changed spiritually from his heart. And it looks like here from what I can tell at this point, he was saved. Verse 19, we see the conclusion here. When all of this is going on, he asks for forgiveness ahead of time and then Elisha closes it here and he says, go in peace. Can we face what we face in life without God's peace? I'm always reminded of 
where it talks about in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When we give it all to the Lord, when we realize He should get the glory for everything that is done that He leads us to do, that we give that glory to God. We don't take the credit. We didn't save ourselves. We didn't do anything. God chose us. He saved us. He drew us. And He keeps us. Until that day we will be with Him forever up in heaven. God keeps His Word. And I don't have a lot of time here, but I wanted to share a little bit of a testimony of a man named Pat Daniels. And he's in Pontiac, Illinois, serving a 10-year sentence. Peace and blessing to all of you. I pray this finds you clinging firmly to the promises of God. I'm a 38-year-old man, originally from Chicago. And here he says, serving life without parole for a gang-related homicide. He says, I'm guilty. Yet, here I am today saved, redeemed and restored. I can attribute this to nobody but God. My transformation was not easy. The devil's real. There's a war being waged. I was constantly criticized, threatened, challenged, attacked. But with the help of the Lord, I'm remaining steadfast. God has used me for His glory. I'm truly too blessed to allow myself to be stressed. I like that. I am truly too blessed to allow myself to be stressed. My present circumstances an 8 by 10 concrete and steel cell, the horribly nasty food, the stench that surrounds me is no match for the holy, transcendent love, grace, and mercy of God that I regularly experience. I'm physically jailed but spiritually free. It is my sincere hope and prayer that those of you reading this can be inspired are reinforced by it. Either way, to God be the glory. I pray that's our prayer and that's our hope every day God gives us on this earth to bring glory to God. God worked and he healed Naaman, but there's so many lessons we can learn from this. God is sovereign. God's ways are higher than our ways and we need to be reminded God's word he keeps. God doesn't go back on his word. And I pray that would encourage you this morning as we've just looked here a short time in this Old Testament story. Again, I'm not going to sing, but I always think of that song by Fanny Crosby, To God Be the Glory. Great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son who yielded his life in atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord. Do we praise the Lord enough? Do we thank Him for today, for those minutes at times where we don't know where to turn and God says, I'm here. I'm not going to leave you. Turn to me first. Don't wait till it's the last grasp. Turn to me first because God is always there for us and He will never let us down. His word is true. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning for this example out of Second Kings 
Father, sometimes we forget about all these ways you worked in the lives of men like Elisha, prophets who served you faithfully, to have a testimony to men like Naaman and not take the glory, not take the credit, because it's all about you. I pray, Father, you'd continue to work in each life here, that what we do, think, and say would all bring honor and glory to your name. We thank you for what you are doing and will do in days to come. In Jesus' name, amen.